chapter nine of dr luttrell's first patient by rosa newshet carey this librivox recording is in the public domain the christmas guest this life of ours is a wild aeolian harp of many a joyous strain but under them all there runs a loud perpetual wail as of souls in pain longfellow olivia felt a little nervous as she sent in her name by phoebe the girl had looked at her dubiously i'm not sure whether master will see you ma'am she said he never sees any one on christmas day and mrs crampton says he is but poorly nevertheless at olivia's request she had taken the message after a brief delay she returned her master would see mrs luttrell but olivia's heart beat a little quickly as she entered the library for the first time she was not sure of her welcome the grand old room looked unusually gloomy the tall standard lamps were unlighted and only the blazing fire and a small green reading lamp made a spot of brightness deep shadows lurked in the corners and the heavy bookcases and window recesses only seemed to add to the gloom mr gaythorne sat in his great ebony chair with its crimson cushions his face looked more cadaverous and sunken than usual the fine features looked as if they were carved in old ivory they were so fixed and rigid as he held out his hand to olivia there was no smile of welcome on his face the melancholy deep-set eyes were sombre and piercing this is indeed a surprise mrs luttrell i hope you will not think it an intrusion she returned a little breathlessly i wanted so much to see you and give you aunt madge's message somehow i could not bear to think that we were so happy and that you were sitting alone and feeling sad are you vexed with me for coming she continued in her winning way i can see you are not a bit pleased to see me my dear mrs luttrell he said in his harsh grating voice it is one of my bad days and nothing on earth would yield me pleasure i gave you warning did i not you are visiting a haunted man the christmas ghosts have been holding high revel this evening one of them has been pointing and jibing at me for ever so long you are reaping what you have sown that was what it said why do you grumble at your harvest there is no ripening without sunshine young hearts must be won by love and not severity it is your own fault your own obstinacy your own blindness that is what it has been saying over and over again he shivered slightly as he said this and held out his thin hands to the blaze he had not asked her to sit down but olivia drew a small chair forward and seated herself do not listen to them any longer she said gently you are ill and sad and so everything looks black and hopeless let me talk to you instead i want to tell you how we have spent our day olivia had a charming voice 
as she went on with her simple narrative the muscles of mr gaythorne's face insensibly relaxed hesitation nervousness a touch of self-consciousness even would have repelled him but her gentleness and childlike directness seemed to soothe him in spite of himself and as she repeated mrs broderick's message though he shrugged his shoulders and muttered pshaw she could see that he was gratified and even his remark that mrs broderick must be a very emotional person did not daunt her if aunt madge is emotional i am too she said softly do you know what i said when i saw that picture of the old shepherd looking at the rainbow i love him for this and dear mr gaythorne i meant it tut nonsense but as olivia took his hand and held it in her firm grasp there was a sudden moisture in the old man's eyes no one has loved me since my two olives left me he muttered if only one had been spared to me only one but i am left here alone with my sorrow and remorse you are not really alone she returned soothingly why do you speak as if your wife and daughter had ceased to love you do you imagine for one moment that they forget you it would do you good to talk to aunt madge she has such wonderful ideas about all that some people people like mrs tolman our vicar's wife laugh at her and call her fanciful but to me she is so real why should it not be true she went on with gathering excitement nothing that is good can die love is eternal and it is only pain and grief and sin that can come to an end that is what aunt madge says and she does more than say it she lives it of course she misses her husband dreadfully they were everything to each other but he never seems dead like other women's husbands if you know what i mean by that she seems to keep step with him somehow and think his thoughts i have heard her say once that it is just as though a high wall separated them i cannot see him or hear him but i know he is just the other side of the wall only he has all the sunshine and i have to grope alone in the shadows oh she is right there i know what it is to grope among shadows my dear young lady laying his hand heavily on her arm mrs broderick must be a wonderful woman and i hope to see her some day and i am not above caring for a good woman's prayers but our cases are not exactly similar i dare say not returned olivia hesitatingly no indeed and mr gaythorne's heavy eyebrows drew together look here mrs luttrell what sort of comfort do you suppose a man can have in thinking of his wife when he knows he has acted contrary to her desires when he has failed to carry out even the wishes expressed on her deathbed what would you say to that man i would say that he must be very unhappy and that no doubt circumstances were too hard for him perhaps he did his best but it is not always possible for dying people to judge rightly they may make mistakes no it was i who made all the mistakes 
and there was such anguish in the old man's eyes as he said this that olivia almost started but god help me if it were to come over again i should do the same mrs luttrell you do not know me it is my whim to be generous now and then i like to give and it costs me nothing but i am a hard domineering man when people oppose and anger me i can be relentless it is not easy for me to forgive even when the offender is my own flesh and blood and i am no hypocrite i must speak the truth at all costs and yet we expect our father to forgive us returned olivia almost to herself but mr gaythorne heard her and a strange expression crossed his face that is what she always said my olive but it never seemed to make any difference to me ah well it is no use talking some spirits refuse to be laid but this is poor entertainment my dear and on your birthday too please do not say that i should love to stay but i must not it is late now and marcus will be waiting for me and olivia rose as she spoke and now before i go may i ring for the lamps to be lighted there is something uncanny in this darkness and the fire is getting hollow too well well do as you like was the abrupt answer i am going to have my dinner here to-night it is warmer and so olivia had her way as she bade him good-night he said a little wistfully you can come to-morrow afternoon if you like i have those views of venice and florence to show you i had an old florentine palace for six months the year before my little olive died that was our last happy year of course i will come she replied smiling at him but as she left the room she sighed had she really exorcised those evil spirits or would they return again with tenfold force remorse that was the word he used this was the canker-worm that was robbing him of peace it is not easy for me to forgive even if the offender is my own flesh and blood how sad it was to hear him say that i think after all i did him some little good she thought as she groped her way cautiously through the dark shrubbery that hard rigid look had quite disappeared before i left i have a feeling somehow that one day he will open his heart to me and tell me his trouble every now and then he drops a word or two perhaps this evening if i had not been so hurried he would have spoken out olivia's warm heart was full of pity for the lonely man sitting beside his desolate hearth but she was young and as the heavy gate closed after her and she hurried across the road a sudden vision of her own bright little parlour with marcus waiting for her rose blissfully before her marcus would have returned long ago and would be wondering at her delay she knew what he was doing cutting the pages of esmond for the evening reading how charmed he had been with her gift although he had pretended to be angry at her extravagance a few particles of snow powdered her as she rang the bell marcus answered it himself livy my dear child he said quickly what an age you have been come into the kitchen a moment i want to speak to you and martha is upstairs no not there catching hold of her arm as she absently turned the handle of the parlour door i said the kitchen oh marcus what is it in an 
alarmed voice as she suddenly perceived his grave preoccupied look there is something wrong with baby but his smile reassured her nothing is wrong i am only a little perplexed dot's all right and the house is not on fire and martha is enjoying her usual health but we have got a christmas guest that's all marcus what can you mean when we know no one here is it one of your old hospital friends and why may i not go in and see him so you shall but i must explain matters first i have a poor fellow in there whom i picked up off a doorstep at first i thought he was drunk and i meant to call a policeman but i very soon found out my mistake the poor wretch had fainted from cold and exhaustion he was simply starving oh how dreadful exclaimed olivia much shocked at this have you given him some food but why is he not here instead of in the sitting-room martha has a capital fire yes she has been making him some tea and luckily there was some cold bacon he has had nothing but a penny roll and some coffee since yesterday morning another night of exposure and want would have killed him i took him into the parlour because the couch was handy but directly he spoke i saw he was a gentleman at least an educated man but his clothes are threadbare he has parted with his waistcoat for food now you know why i brought you in here to save you a shock but marcus what are we to do with him ah that is what puzzles me i have fed and warmed him and could give him money for a night's lodging but he is not fit to move when he tried to sit up just now he nearly fell back from exhaustion i should say from the look of him that he has been ill perhaps in some hospital and has not got up his strength and he is quite young too not more than five-and-twenty i should say may i go and look at him first and then we will think what is to be done yes dear that will be best but livy i really cannot wait just now all this has hindered me so that i have not been to the traverses i shall not be long not more than half an hour olivia looked rather troubled at this but it was no use making a fuss marcus must do his work but her vision of a cosy evening was sadly marred instead of listening to esmond she had to interview a strange man directly marcus had gone she went into the sitting-room the couch had been drawn near the fire and marcus's easy chair was pushed back and there in the warmth and firelight with an old plaid thrown over him the forlorn wanderer lay sleeping as placidly as a child olivia trod on tiptoe as she crossed the room and stood beside the couch and studied him attentively marcus was right of course he was a gentleman in spite of his emaciated appearance and poor threadbare garments this was evident the features were well cut and refined the wasted hands bore no signs of manual labour and the filbert nails were carefully attended some poor prodigal fallen to low estate lay before her and yet he looked so boyish and innocent in his sleep that olivia's heart grew very pitiful over him turn him out in the winter's cold and on christmas night too when all the merciful angels were moving betwixt heaven and earth when the bond of brotherhood that linked human beings together was drawn closer and the rich man's gift and the widow's might were paid into the same treasury of love it was impossible how soundly he was sleeping poor fellow lulled by the very fullness of comfort his sick hunger appeased and his bones no longer aching with cold 
a fair moustache covered his mouth but olivia who prided herself on reading character soon decided that the chin and lower part of the face showed signs of weakness but as the thought passed through her mind a pair of deep blue eyes opened full on her face and gazed at her in bewilderment where am i he said feebly oh i remember i fainted on a doorstep and some good samaritan carried me in then in the same weak voice forgive me madam but i am afraid to rise lie still please lie still until my husband comes back returned olivia a little nervously how ill he looked the eyes looked preternaturally large in the wasted face it is sad to see any one in such distress she continued gently and on christmas night too yes i am down on my luck returned the stranger but even in his feebleness he spoke a little recklessly i was always murad the unlucky it would have been all over with me in a few hours if the doctor had not found me i was just at the end of my tether but here a hard cough seemed to tear him to pieces lie still and try to sleep again returned olivia hurriedly then she went out of the room and summoned martha when marcus returned and went in search of her he found her airing some sheets at the kitchen fire marcus she said martha has been lighting a fire in that little empty room where the iron bedstead is there are the mattress and the two blankets aunt madge lent me when i was ill i am going to make up a bed there for to-night you think we ought to keep him then returned her husband looking at her questioningly to be sure i hardly know how we are to turn him out but if he falls ill on our hands eh livy if he be very ill you would have to take him to a hospital she returned quickly we have not got the cruise of oil remember and as aunt madge says we must be just before we are generous but he has such a terrible cough marcus oh that is from cold and exhaustion and as i told you before he has evidently recovered from some severe illness probably pleurisy or pneumonia well livy i think you are about right we must do our best for the poor beggar now and then one must help lame dogs over stiles and marcus whose bump of benevolence was largely developed and who believed in practical religion was sincerely grateful that his wife had fallen in with his views i think you were sent to him to help him returned olivia softly inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren oh marcus you know how that finishes and marcus smiled back at her as he left the room End of chapter nine